Thank you very much, choir. So we interact with God's word this morning. We want to reflect on Christ, who is risen. We'll be looking at the gospel of John, kind of giving an overview of the gospel of John. A couple of questions as we begin, some thought questions. Can an airplane fly in a vacuum? Can an airplane fly in a vacuum? What is perhaps the greatest miracle in history? And I say perhaps the greatest miracle in history. Upon what truth, fact, does all Christianity and all scripture rest? What does the bodily resurrection of Christ due to all the religions and isms of the world. So we reflect in the Gospel of John, you will find that when you come to the end of the Gospel of John, John says in chapter 20, 30 and 31, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The overall thrust, the purpose of John's gospel is that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. As you look at the gospel of John, you will find that it begins with a frame at the beginning. Chapter 1, 1 through 18, we find that Christ is clearly, clearly presented for who he claims to be. You find at the end of the book, basically the same thing is being said as far as Christ and who he is. Between those two sections, chapter 1, 19 and 20, 29, we find the picture the picture basically saying what is said in the beginning of the book is true. Then we have the picture then at the end of the book, what is said at the beginning is reaffirmed. That God or Christ is creator, he's God, he's life, he's light, he's the son of God, and so on. The frame and the picture put together provide the purpose of the book. And as you look at the book overall, and again, this may be small for some of you, in eternity past, the Word was. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. True in eternity past. Chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Christ is creator. In chapter 1, 10 and 11, verses 14, 15 through 18, we find things that tie in with his birth. When he came down to this earth... And while living, he performed miracles. He taught much. He went to the cross, and the ultimate miracle was when he came from the dead to die no more. He ascended then to be with his father, and with his father, eternity future. Eternity past, eternity future, with about a 33-year period when Christ was on this earth. 
John makes some very bold statements concerning Jesus in chapter 1, 1 through 18. Throughout the book, he builds expectation concerning the reality of those claims. Then he presents the clear evidence that Jesus is the Christ with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. The beginning of the book, we have kind of a frame. John chapter 1, and I'll begin reading with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side has made him known. Who is Jesus? God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's creator, according to verse 3. He's life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. He's light. <coughs> He's flesh. He's human. When you think of Christ coming as a babe and living for some 33 years and going to the cross, he was human. That is demonstrated throughout John's gospel. He's grace giving what people don't deserve, undeserved favor. He's truth. He made God known. That's how the book begins. Here's who Christ is. 
then we find that, beginning with verse 19, John is explaining, if you want to call it the evidence, the picture that builds upon who Christ was. Look at chapter 1 and verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Christ, he's light, he's life, he's God, he's grace, he's truth. Here John says he's the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God coming from the Old Testament where lambs were offered over and over again, bulls were offered over and over again. But here's the Lamb of God who stands in distinction to all in the Old Testament who takes away the sin of the world. The one who was the Son of God, creator, life, light, grace, truth. It's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. In chapter 2, 1 through 11, we won't refer to that other than just mention it, we find that Jesus turned water to wine. Indicative that he is life, light, creator, God, grace, truth, and so on. In chapter 2 and verse 12, he clears the temple. Look at chapter 2 and verse 12 of John's gospel. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? Here we find God, creator, life, light, grace, truth, clearing the temple. Who gave him the authority? He was God. He was light. He was life. He was truth. He's creator. Reaffirming who he was. In chapter 3, 1 through 36, we find Jesus teaching, speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him and responded, and Jesus talks about being born again. Notice what he says in verse 3. Jesus replied, or Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. 
You hear its sound, but you cannot tell from where it comes or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And then Nicodemus, you know, responds, how can this be? And Jesus refers to the serpent being up and lifted up in the wilderness. He goes on to talk about God loving the world, sending his son so that there can be life to those who believe. Again, the one who is speaking is life, light, creator, God, grace, truth. In chapter 4, we find Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. Remember that Samaritans were half Gentile and half Jew, and the Samaritans and the Jews did not have good contact. And Jesus, or Scripture says Jesus needed to go through Samaria. So rather than crossing the Jordan River and going up the east side of the Jordan River, he went up the west side. He went through Samaria to have an encounter with the woman at the well. We're not going to read that passage, but we know that the woman at the well found out a few things that Jesus knew because Jesus said, no, go call your husband and come back. And she, she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands. And then we know that she came to faith in Christ, the one who was the bread of life. We find in chapter 4, 43 through 54, he heals the official son. In chapter 5, we find that he's healing an invalid man. In chapter 5, we also find that he gives some more teaching. I want you to turn to chapter 5, and we'll pick up reading with verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him, saying, or persecuted him, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I, too, am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, because he was calling God his father, making himself equal with God. They didn't grasp what is already stated in chapter 1, that he was God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to his Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And he goes on to share some other items. Here Jesus says, you believe. You have eternal life. And in John chapter 17, he defines eternal life as a relationship with God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, affirming that Jesus is life, light. <clears throat> he is creator. He is God. 
We find in chapter 6, 1 through 15, he feeds the 5,000. In chapter 6, he walks in the water. Chapter 11, we find he gives some more teaching. In chapters 13 through 17, he's preparing the disciples for when he will not be on this earth. He is arrested. He's crucified. He's buried. In chapter 18, 1 through chapter 19 and verse 42. Look at chapter 19 of John's Gospel. Chapter 19 and verse 28. Now remember that to this point in John's Gospel, Christ is the Word, He's life, He's light, He's creator, He's grace, He's truth. He's the bread of life, He's the one who gives life. He's the Lamb of God. Verse 28 of chapter 19 says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a sock of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When Jesus said, it is finished, the one who was life, light, creator, God, truth, the Lamb of God, grace, was saying the plan of salvation has done. The payment for sin has been made. The Lamb of God has been sacrificed. It is finished. If something is finished, it's done. It's over. You can't do any more. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. What else can be done? Nothing. It's done. Can anyone do? No, it's done. It is finished. I emphasize that very, very strongly. Because the religions of the world and the isms of the world are constantly telling us to do, do, do in relation to having a relationship with God, with Christ. Jesus said, it is finished. The Lamb of God has died. It's done. The story stopped there. It wouldn't be good. But we find in chapter 20, Christ came from the dead. He wasn't the first one to come from the dead. He raised Lazarus. Some people came from the dead when Christ died. But he's the first one to come from the dead to die no more. He's the first fruits of those that will come from the dead. So at the beginning of the book, we have Christ as life, light, creator, God, Grace, truth, that's confirmed as you read throughout the book. And then in chapter 20, verse 30, through chapter 133, we find another frame. Jesus is the Christ. 
Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is God. Christianity, if you want to use that term, rises and falls in the resurrection. Christ claimed to be God and demonstrated it with his miracles. But if he remained in the grave, he merely presented empty claims. John takes careful measure to demonstrate that Christ came from the dead. Something was established as truth by two or three witnesses. John presents 12 eyewitnesses. Look at chapter 20 and verse 1. Early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to arise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where the body, Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And then we find in verses 19 through 23 that Jesus appears to the twelve. The ultimate miracle an empty tomb, established as fact by three witnesses. First of all, by Mary Magdalene in verses 1 and 2, by Peter and the other disciple in verses 3 through 9. As you read on, there's some other resurrection evidence. Again, Mary Magdalene. The disciples in verses 19 through 23 10 of them, and then in verses 24 through 29, the 11 of them, because Thomas was also present. 
the resurrection of Jesus affirms and proves or is the evidence that everything else presented by John is true. Jesus is the life. He's light. He's creator. He's grace. He's truth. He's God. He's the bread. He's the water. He's the Lamb of God. All that John says throughout his book. The bodily resurrection of Christ is the ultimate miracle. It affirms that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life must be in Christ since humans are dead. And in sin, because we're in Adam. The bodily resurrection is to Christianity what air, the atmosphere, is to an airplane. With the bodily resurrection of Jesus, or without the bodily resurrection of Christ or Jesus, we have no gospel, no hope, no salvation, no reconciliation. Since Christ is life, all humans are dead in sin. He offers life, and he offers it to dead people, those who are separated from a relationship with God. And again, as you read through the Gospel of John, he's grace, he's truth, he's light, he's life, he's the Lamb of God, he's the bread of life, he's the water of life. And he offers that to dead people as the Spirit of God convicts. All the religions of the world are worthless in terms of dealing with payment for sin and establishing a relationship with God. Christ is the only way, the only Lamb of God. The religions of the world, the isms of the world, you ask them, how can I have a relationship with God? They all talk about doing. Christianity says it's done. Jesus said it is finished. You trust in the one who was the Lamb of God who paid for the sin of the world. The ultimate question is, what will you do with Christ? Have you trusted him as the Lamb of God? Have you come into a relationship with God, with Christ, through repentance of sin and faith in Christ? Jesus stands unique in all of history because he claimed to be creator. He claimed to be life. He claimed to be light. He claimed to be grace and truth, the Lamb of God. He demonstrated that in the way he lived. He died 
but he arose to die no more. It's done. Have you ceased working for a relationship with God by repentance of sin and faith in Christ? If so, you're a son, a daughter of God. If not, why not trust him today? Come to faith in him. And please understand that as we reflect on Easter, we reflect on the resurrection, that we live and we serve a resurrected Christ. He's not in the grave. He's not in the tomb. He's alive. And as we discussed last week, we walk with him and relate to him day by day. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we read another portion of Scripture concerning Christ and the resurrection. Jeff? Jeff? 